Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. This is Episode 6, and today we're going to be talking to an international award-winning sculptor from Chapman University in Orange, California, Dr. Nicholas Hernandez. We're going to be discussing the creative process and meditation and how both of those are so key to your physical and your emotional health. You may think that the creative process, oh, that's just for artists, for painters. No, that's for all of us. All of us have creativity within us. And how does it affect our health? Well, if we're not being creative, if we're not doing things, expressing ourselves, whether it's through painting, writing, making a new recipe, just creating something, making a software program, whatever it is that you like to create, when we're not doing that, we get depressed and we're not feeling as vital. Our vitality is lessened. And then that's going to lead to unnecessary stress, going to block us. So the creative process is very integral to our health. And meditation, well, meditation is so key. I find that if I don't meditate for a while and I've been in a phase where I've been so busy and I haven't been meditating, I just notice that my stress levels are through the roof and I also notice that it impacts my physical health. So meditation is so important for our health and well-being. So I'm going to chat with Dr. Nicholas Hernandez. He's been meditating for many years and he has some tips for you and about the creative process. So stay tuned for that. If you want to learn more about A Teaspoon of Healing, visit my website, www.teaspoonofhealing.com. You can read my blog, download past episodes of the podcast, read transcripts of the show, or contact me. So again, www.teaspoonofhealing.com. And if you have any questions, feel free to send it to me on my contact form and I will answer your questions on the show. All right, now let's talk to Dr. Nicholas Hernandez about the creative process and meditation on a teaspoon of healing. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of the use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. And before we get into our interview, let's hear from one of our sponsors, Golf Tours. Hi, this is Goff, owner of Goff Tours, specializing in stand-up paddleboarding or surfing lessons. I even do snorkeling. You can reach me here. Orange County has what you're looking for. You can contact me via email at gofftours at gmail.com or mobile number is 949-338-5937, gofftours.com. Hi, I'm Don Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Well, today we have a guest, Dr. Nicholas Hernandez, international award-winning sculptor from Chapman University. Hi, Nick. Hi, Don. Great to be here. Thanks. Great to have you. And how are you doing? Oh, just couldn't be better. I'm having uh, some real good luck and fun with my art. I'm working on two major projects. One is the 
possibility of a 14-foot monumental sculpture outside of the uh, Musco Performing Arts Center at Chapman University, a brand new performing arts center that they've just built. Wow. And I want to do it in uh, Italian alabaster. The actual piece itself would be about nine feet, and then it would be on a five-foot pedestal. And it's a beautiful, well, I, I think it's beautiful, and so does the director of the Musco Center and uh, several other professors out there. Now, whether the powers that be, Dr. Doty and the new president, Daniele Strupa, whether I please them or not is another story. But they're hoping that what they see will please them. That's really exciting for me, you know, to have the piece and have it out there called spirit form, which I know is an oxymoron because spirit has no form, but it's the attempt. So Nick, tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Let's see. I'm a Southern California beach boy. Been on the coast my whole life, born in San Francisco till I was four months and then came to Santa Monica. Grew up there and then I've been in Laguna almost 50 years. So were you in Laguna Beach in the 60s when Timothy Leary and the Brotherhood and all that were in Laguna? I was there. I babysat Timothy Leary's kids and I was hanging out with, you know, Ken Kesey and the Strawberry Fields people. Oh, really? We were going up and up to Oregon and, you know, Northern California and up and down the state. We were, I was a hippie. Um, I helped organize the very first anti-Vietnam rally in Golden Gate Park. Oh, really? We did. And the cops beat us, but, you know, they did it half-heartedly. Nobody, you know, there were no protests. So, I mean, they were kind of like poking at us a little bit, like not like what happens these days. You know, these days they're out for blood. But then it, the cops were kind of, they were like, oh, you guys are a pain in the butt. <laughs> they didn't consider us dangerous, you know. And I was in a band up there. I was living on Hate Street. Wow, so the whole, like, summer of love. Oh, the stories. Then you're in Laguna Beach and... Studying music and doing construction, because I did an apprenticeship as a, a, a high-rise construction plumber. A lot of technical stuff, you know, I, I was trained for um, computer co cooling systems and uh, petrochemical uh, installation and uh, commercial industrial uh, plumbing. So I came to Laguna and I was walking up and down the town. I walked from one end of Laguna on one side of the highway, crossed the street and walked all the way to the other end, looking in art galleries, looking in the little shops. And that day I decided that I wanted to uh, live here in Laguna. And I had been kind of on the road, hitchhiking, being a hippie, even though I had graduated from my plumbing class. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I wonder what I can do to make a living here. And it struck me just as I walked in front of Jim Otto's place. Oh, you mean the Sound You know where Jimmy Otto sells all the, the records? Okay, so there's a record store in Laguna Beach called Sound Spectrum. Sound Spectrum, been right. Okay. Really long time. Just as I got to Sound Spectrum, it came to me that, well, I'm a plumber. I'll bet I can do plumbing. So I walked in the store and I was, here's Jim Otto, first time I ever saw him. And uh, he, he sort of smiled and said, hello. I said, hey, um, I'm a plumber and I want to, you know, I'm going to be looking for work in Laguna Beach. He, his eyes got wide. He just said, oh, man, that you're just what I needed. And he took me into the back room and they had some a sink with faucets that were leaking like crazy. And he had a couple of odds and ends and I fixed them right up, you know, it, and then he took me to his house and I did a couple of odds and ends there. For about, oh, the whole thing maybe took me two hours. And he gave me a CD, or not a CD, a record, a big, you know, vinyl, LPs, yeah. He gave me one of those, 
and he gave me $15 and a quarter ounce of hash. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I was thinking, this is crazy. And then did end up moving to Laguna and ended up meeting a lot of people in it because I had like shoulder length hair, a little longer. I was the first plumber that anybody had ever seen that looked like a hippie. And I knew my business well. So I, I went to work and one of the first people I worked for was Tony Eisman. Yeah. Oh, really? uh, our mayor. And it, this was like the second year I was in Laguna and I had done some repair work for her. But then I started meeting all the, the drug dealers, the, that, Back then, it was all marijuana but and hash. And they were making a bunch of money, and they were remodeling their homes. And they didn't trust hardly anybody. And to have a plumber that they knew was like one of the guys, you know, a local surfer and local, you know, hippie, they really liked it. So pretty soon, I was working for all of these guys, making real good money. Used to uh, not like it so much. Now, it's just kind of like sculpting, but just in a different way. It's very creative, and uh, now, for me, it's fun because it's just second nature. So, Nick, when did you start out sculpting? When did you find out that that was something that you wanted to put a lot of your passion into? Okay, well, this is an interesting story. My father was an old beatnik, and when I I was seven, he took me to meet a very famous sculptor, um, Leon Salter. I got a lesson that day, and I made a little face out of granite. I got to have a couple of lessons. I didn't get another lesson in sculpting until I was 46. Really? And so what happened at 46, I was walking down on a beautiful spring day. I was walking down Main Beach, and it hit me. It just hit me that I'm a failure. I don't have a career. I just It sort of hit me. I said, like, you know, at this age, most people are well into a career my One of my very best friends in the world is a world-famous sculptor, Masters from the Chicago Art Institute. So I went to him and asked, what are the chances of you teaching me uh, to sculpt? He sort of threw a fit. He got up, he lit a cigarette, and he's pacing back and forth. And then he stopped at the far end of his studio, and he pointed at me. And he said, if anybody could be a sculptor, you can, but you have to be my protege. And the next day, he took me to UCLA to a store where he bought his carving tools and we bought a whole set of tools i started carving and on the very first strike i put the chisel onto the wood and i hit it when i hit it i had an epiphany i suddenly knew what that word meant my life just i just made a just a immediate left turn everything changed and i started working and i couldn't stop after two years i sold my very first piece by four years, I was in the White House. I'd made a high-relief wood carving of Chelsea Clinton, made Hillary cry. Fourth year, I was juried into my first international show to Florence, Italy. I was approved for the Florence Biennale, which is the Olympics of art. I won the Medici Medal. That really, suddenly, I was somebody in the art world. More respect, and I, I got offered many shows, and you know, I've done galleries, I, all, on and on. I became an art commissioner, and then eventually I got a PhD from Chapman University. Wow, that's really amazing. Such an inspiring story. So Nick, tell our listeners about a project that you're going to be working on with the Seagerstrom Art Center in Costa Mesa. Seagerstrom Performing Arts Center. And they built a big outdoor stage for community events. And uh, I built a guitar. It's a, it's a woman's body and it's quite beautiful. 
uh, Eric Henderson will play at that day, and they're going to install one of my my big piece emergence there, and I'll have a booth. And okay, so Saturday, January sixth, and it's at the January sixth. Okay, so that's on January sixth at the Sagerstrom. Yeah, Sagerstrom Performing Arts Center. Yeah, Costa Mesa. So Nick, I wanted to talk about the creative process with you. So the creative process is something that's very healing. It's very powerful, and if you have the tendency to be creative, which I think most of us do. And it's being suppressed, whether you don't have time for it, you're not thinking about doing it, or perhaps you're depressed and you're not expressing yourself in that way, that can actually make you feel even more depressed. So the creative process, do you feel that it's something so intrinsic to us and healing to us as humans? Because we're basically expressing our, I guess, our inner power, our inner essence through creativity. Just what do you feel? How do you feel about the creative process and how it relates to emotional and physical well-being? What I see is that human beings are creative beings. That's why we're here. That it's, it's essential to our nature and it's the urge to express ourselves that it's, it's an essential basic urge to be expressive. If you're not, that's when you're hung up, you'll get just stunted. And the fact is we all, as I mentioned before, we all created ourselves. We all, everybody remembers creating their smile. Everybody remembers creating their walk. You know, I've said that those two lines to hundreds and hundreds of kids and I've never, you know, students, and I've never had one disagree or argue about it. And, but it doesn't stop. We've, we create ourselves every instant. Uh, In Buddhism, it's called dependent origination. Uh, What this instant, how this instant originates instant after instant after instant and it's and we are doing it we are responsible we are creating this reality uh investigate and and practice being creative it will open up your creative energy in other words there's an infinite number of ways to put a piece of clay on a sculpture or to put a color on a painting it's just there are no boundaries it's absolutely infinite how about people who don't feel that they're creative because perhaps they were told in school, I remember having a class and they said, I can't draw. And you know, you're, it sticks with you. I can't draw. But maybe I just didn't draw exactly how that teacher wanted me to draw. And this, mind you, this was when I was eight years old. And so there's people, how do they get past that hang up? Because there's so many ways to be creative. And some people feel, oh, I don't have the talent. I was either told that or my parents told me that, or I just, you feel that about yourself. How do people who maybe don't feel that they have any talent for any of this? One word, practice. If you, I, I always urge the, the students to practice an art. And I don't care if it's dancing or cooking or sewing or gardening or uh, any of the visual arts, photography, whatever. But can you think of any career that doesn't require creativity? I can't. No, there are none. So if we're practicing dipping into this infinite potentiality that is the creative process and it's ours, we all own it. You own it. Mm-hmm. Every one of the students I've ever lectured owns it. We are that creative process. So the way to make it work for you mm-hmm. is to practice, 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 practice. I mean, in that five years when I started carving, I, I mean, there must have been thousands and thousands of hours that I was just pounding away with my chisel and, and scraping with the files and, and the rasps, you know. The very first piece that I ever made, a kid stole from my car and I, I saw the, the kids playing with it as I drove by. And 
they saw me, so they smashed it on the sidewalk and ran away, broke the piece in half. This is the very first piece, and it was beautiful. Not, it wasn't the very first piece. It was the first, uh, the first real piece, you know, because it was, everybody said it was beautiful. Everybody did. Okay. So that's, that's it. Cause I can't really tell on with my work. I usually uh, always see all the defects, you know, and the things that I should have done or could have done better. So only when other people are, are telling me that it's, that they like the piece, that's how I judge my work. It's hard for me. I, all I ever see are my faults. But that's okay. Don't we always see our faults? Yeah. Don't you believe that it's very easy for me, at least? I can, if somebody says something bad, I'll believe that way. It's way easier to believe that than if somebody says something complimentary. I've outgrown that. Do you find that we are our worst critics and that perhaps the quest for perfection, you know, being afraid just to start practicing and failing, practicing, failing. How do people handle that? Because failure definitely is part of the process. There's a term. Uh, it's called equanimity the balancing of the good and the bad parts that the universe throws at you, you know? In other words, think of it as, as people criticizing you. There's going to be some people that criticize you on one hand, and on the other hand, there's going to be people that are praising you. And you can't be captive to either one. You have to balance, make it equal, make it so that in order to be creative, you need to have a balance within yourself. I have a graveyard of pieces that just didn't make the cut. And I, I've, I've got this, those pieces. Some of them are pretty big, but it's, it's over. But I did learn from it. Mm -hmm. not, not too much to the left, not too much to the right, you know, not too much happy, not too much sad. Then you're not going to be a victim of your own negativity or other people's. Yeah, and just like you said, don't listen to either side too much. And also, how about trusting your own self as well? Yeah, and that's you. You do develop that by developing equanimity. And for me, what has done that, and this is an important factor, is uh, meditation. Okay. I know that my art is born of and supported on a daily basis by meditation. So meditation. So say somebody is new to meditation; they haven't tried it yet, um, and getting into it. And how did it? help you develop your own sense of self and that equanimity? And also, how did it help you with the creative process? First of all, when you meditate, it's the practice of quieting your mind. We don't do mantras. I mean, some people do, but I, it, it's just quiet mind. No movies. You know, you, you close your eyes and, and leave them a little sliver just open at the bottom. Because if you close your eyes all the way, you'll tend to get pictures. But if you leave them open, uh, you leave your eyes, you know, you notice that in a lot of the you know, meditative sculptures, you'll see a slight, their eyes are just, just a little sliver is open. And then no thoughts, no emotions. Now you will catch yourself, uh, a thought will carry you away and you'll be in, in the middle of a fantasy or a, a, a mind movie or something like that. And as soon as you catch yourself, you use that as a gentle, loving reminder to go back to quiet, to go back to center, and to to stay in the moment. You want to be in the here and now. You're not thinking about anything or going away, or, you know, in your mind. It's being very aware in this instant, but still quiet. Now, what happens is creative energy from the universe pours into you like a giant battery. The place between thoughts, that energy is let into you. And that becomes yours, your energy to use. 
Now, how to get started is I yeah. definitely join a group somewhere. Find us. We call it a Sangha in Buddhism. It's just a group of Buddhists uh, get together and we meditate. Uh, I have a monk that comes here about once a month. We get together, meditate for an hour, and then talk about the Dharma, the, the various teachings of Buddha. My Sangha, it's really bright. There's so many professors and doctors and lawyers and famous authors. And oh my God, it's, it's amazing. We help each other. When you're, when you get together, it's, it's easier for me to sit and meditate with them for an hour than it is for me to sit myself and meditate for an hour. Usually I meditate myself for about a half an hour. Like anything else, meditation is about practice. That word, there it comes again. And the more you meditate, the better you get. It's the most powerful thing a human being can do. You, know, you can pick any activity that you can think of. Meditation is by far the most powerful. In Buddhism, we have a saying, if you're really, really busy, meditate for an hour. But if you're really, really, really busy, meditate for two. And what happens is you become really efficient. And when your mind is quiet, it carries over to when you're not meditating, your mind will be much more still after practicing meditation for a while. You know, have you seen the, the, uh, what they're doing across the country these days? They've stopped detention classes across and, and this has started off in, in a lot of inner city schools but they're having the best luck they instead of punishing the kids they make them go into a, a room and meditate and do some yoga their mm -hmm. grades are soaring their disciplinary problems are dropping at an amazing rate meditation is again i'll reiterate the most powerful activity a human can do and right next to that right along with meditation as being something powerful to do is service being of service to fellow human beings. That also is an incredibly powerful thing to do. But meditation is pretty much number one. When I'm looking at a piece, for instance, and I have a decision to make, you know, what, where, where do I go with this curve? Where do I go with this form? You know, what, what am I going to do? If I'm thinking, it's, it's jumbled. I don't have the vision. If I just look quietly with a quiet mind, the creative process happens on its own. I don't, I'm allowing it to happen. I don't, I'm not forcing it. I'm not doing it myself. I'm just a medium for the creative force to happen. So the, the more quiet you are uh, in your mind and, and then the more beautiful the work ends up being always, you know, when I get started on a piece at about 10 to 15% of the piece being done, it eerily comes alive. I feel it within 10 or 15 minutes. I always kind of look forward to that. You know, I'll start a new piece and it's always, uh, and, and then, then the piece will come alive and it starts talking to me. The piece, I swear it moves. I mean, it's, there's a, there's an inherent insanity in the process. I am in my studio alone at night sometimes. And I often feel like I'm just out of my mind, but the piece, it's like they're pulling my shirt and I just follow. And I learned at first I used to force my way. I forced what my ego wanted and it oh, just never worked out. Like when I finally started to let go and just let the piece lead me, it's even kind of, you know, kind of embarrassing when people say things like, Oh, your art, you're so talented. And I'm like, that's not that. It doesn't seem accurate. I can hardly claim it. It belongs to the universe. It doesn't, I'm not that good. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. But when you let the creative process come through you, miracles happen. I mean, it feels like heavenly things are being expressed through you when 
you you let it, you know, and not try and have your ego, you know, force things. And I think also that's very relaxing and calming as is meditation. And when you're in that relaxed and calm state, you're also much, much healthier. Stress is, stress and sugar are the two worst killers. It's interesting how many years ago they thought it was fat. Definitely the sugar. The sugar is very addictive. So I'm studying it as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how much sugar is in everything. But stress, stress and meditation can help you. Oh, meditation will knock it right out. It'll do it. It'll do it quickly. I have a funny story. I had a girlfriend, beautiful woman. Oh my God. They called her the most beautiful woman in North County, San Diego. And uh, we were kind of, we were fooling around too much being a little too rowdy. And so at one point I, I lost my job, my car, my girlfriend and my house all in like a two day period. Everything just crashed. And I'm sitting in a motel room with like 900 bucks in my pocket thinking, what, what am I going to do? I'm I was like kind of panicked, you know? And then it hit me that I hadn't been meditating for a couple of months. I just immediately sat and I meditated and in three days, I had everything back. It all just came back like like an egg that, you know, Humpty Dumpty fell, broke, but then you kind of reverse the picture and all of a sudden in everything comes back together and now he's sitting on the wall as if it like never happened. Ever since then, I'm almost afraid to not meditate. And it wasn't too long after that that I started art. And, you know, I know that came from meditation. So, like I said, my son, in, when he was in college, he used to call me his problem child. And then I started to meditate and everything turned around. Emotional health and the creative process, feeling down. If somebody's depressed, that's usually going to, I'm not saying always, but it can shut down the creative process. Mm-hmm. If you're already prone to depression, how does not being creative make that worse? Let's investigate what depressed is. You know what is being depressed? The creative, their creative nature. That is what is being suppressed or depressed yeah if you start being creative sing a song do a dance make a right. make a meal uh, whatever you know whatever it is your your spirits will pick up immediately because this is what we're here for to be creative so if you're not being creative yeah the inside your insides are going to boil because all this creativity is in each and every one of us there's nobody on this planet that's not creative where we are creative entities that's what we do so the more we nourish that and facilitate that creative energy to come out the more relaxed the more happy the greater the equanimity the more peace you can express love more you can take the the punches that the universe will throw at you much easier if you're not all pent up you know what what is being pent up the creative energy to me, it's important to practice getting this mm-hmm. creative energy out in whatever way. I mean, you know, if you look up the definition of art in the dictionary, it, it says doing anything on a high level, simple, succinct uh, description of, of art. Doing anything on a higher on, level. On, on the highest levels, yeah. Uh-huh. So if somebody maybe taps back into their creative spirit, they just decide to pick an art, practice, see where it goes. If somebody is depressed or in a depressed state because they're, you know, they're not doing that or that's a cause and effect or if that's an effect, how do you think that would help them? Would that help them if they're, 
If, well, you know, if you go out to Laguna Woods, for instance, you know, and all the seniors, some of the money that they spend out there is for art facilities. And you've got all these seniors okay. painting, sculpting, dancing, doing music, you know, artistic endeavors. And it, the, the reason they do that is because it wraps up the well-being of the people that are doing it. And it's instant and it's obvious. And they're also teaching them to meditate. Wonderful. I can see how that would tap right into this. Getting into that creative spirit. You're not suppressing it anymore. You're allowing it to be and you're facilitating. You're, you're helping the creative process. You know, very important factors in, in well-being and, and health is to be able to be creative. I, I believe. I see it. You know, I haven't had a cold in 27 years. Do you, do you attribute this to just your really, you must have a really healthy lifestyle or? I, I'm also very aware, you know, I don't let myself get chilled. I don't let myself get too, I prepare. And then I take all the herbs, you know, but we've talked about that before. And I'm feeling just outrageous for somebody that's approaching 72. I'm, I feel great. I believe that the meditation is a big part of that. And uh, also the fact that, practice and, and be creative. Uh, you know, I call it arting. I, I'm Half the time I'm walking around arting. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that all about meditation and the creative process. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Nicholas Hernandez on A Teaspoon of Healing. We're here with Dr. Nicholas Hernandez, an award-winning sculptor, back here with us. So for the creative process, and I'm really enjoying, I've learned so much from you in this talk about the creative process. And I hope all my listeners are learning too and inspired. And I'm also taking questions. So if any listeners have questions for Nick, for Dr. Hernandez, please submit them. You can submit them on my Facebook, my Instagram for Teaspoon of Healing. So at Teaspoon of Healing or at teaspoonofhealing.com. Please let me know because we can have Nick on again and he can answer your questions on the show. So for the creative process, you're going to actually be giving lectures on this at Chapman University in Orange, California, not too far from where we are. Well, uh, I'll get the schedule uh, next week and they start in the first week in January. They're, they're going to be doing four of them. It's going to be fun too because I, I bring a, my guitar with me and usually one or two pieces, and I'm going to have uh, Phil Goff. You know, he uh, plays uh, lead guitar with Common Sense and with uh, English Beat, and he's going to be playing my guitar for the kids. It's it's really funny because, you know, we'll have him set up a little bit towards the back of the class, and he'll be sitting there with a little amp and my guitar, and uh, as I talk every so often – He'll just put in some licks, you know, like a, maybe a minute of playing. Then I'll keep talking and, you know, I'll explain about the guitar and, you know, and then he'll play another song. So it's really a lot of fun. The kids just love it. And uh, I'll be basically chatting about the same kind of things and answering their questions and seeing how it goes. Are these open to the public? So are these, more, these are for students? These are for students, even though I've had, I've had quite a few people ask if they could go to hear right. the lectures with me. You know what I mean? Just friends of mine. And uh, I've never had a professor not let me do it. 
So I'll bring in sometimes three or four people, and they'll just sit towards the back and watch and listen, you know. But if and you are I'll, a student at Chapman, you can actually enroll in a course. I'm assuming it's the intercession. Any major? So is right. it creative writing, English majors, or is it any, pretty much anybody can enroll if you're a student? You know, I don't, I don't really know the parameters. Okay. It's a creative writing course. I know okay. that. So a creative writing course. So if you are a Chapman student in January, you could enroll in that. So is there anything else you want to say to our listeners about creative process, about health? Well, if you want to have good health, longevity, good luck, be creative. And in order to be creative, meditation is really great. Um, I would recommend it. That I, I would pretty much end with that. So many of the greats, great artists and, and, and great uh, scientists are, are meditators. And it, it does work. And it allows you to, the creative flow, the, the, the creative energy of the universe to flow right through you. And it just, it's cleansing. It's just uh, makes you feel good about yourself. I've learned a lot. Now, how can people find out more information? Say somebody wants a sculpture, maybe a piece commissioned or work done privately for them. Is there any way they can contact you? Do you have a website? Email or my Facebook site or my phone number, you know, is all fine. I'm working on a website right now. I've been working on it for months. I just haven't really gotten to it. Okay, maybe email. I can. Yeah. It's Laguna Nick at Gmail and you can put, you know, you can put my phone number. I don't care. Okay. So people can get in, if you want to get in touch with Nick and have him work on a piece or just discuss Maybe one of these events. Or or even um, if somebody wants some help with meditation. Okay, so do you do any, so you do some meditation help or maybe some tips? Yeah, well, I could, I could uh, you know, take them to my sangha and uh, everything just is, just happens from that. If you, if you go to the sangha, you'll see it, it's self-explanatory. There's nothing difficult about it. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for joining me today on A Teaspoon of Healing. It's been a great pleasure. You're welcome, and you're welcome to come back anytime. And again, if people have questions for you or for me, just go to the contact form on my website, teaspoonofhealing.com, and just click on contact, and then you can send any questions, and I'll answer them. I'll get the answers from Nick, or if I can answer a question, I'll answer them on a future episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Teaspoon of Healing with Dr. Nicholas Hernandez, international award-winning sculptor from Chapman University. If you have any questions for me or for Dr. Hernandez, you can contact me on my website, www.teaspoonofhealing.com. You can also go to my Instagram page and contact me there and my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash teaspoonofhealing. Instagram is at teaspoonofhealing. Well, stay tuned for the next episode, episode seven. We're going to be talking to a doctor of podiatric medicine, foot and ankle surgeon, Dr. Michael Coyer, all about running, exercising, starting a new exercise program, which many of you will probably be doing at the beginning of the new year. So some tips about keeping your feet healthy and avoiding injuries. So stay tuned for that and have a great week. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to A Teaspoon of Healing with Dawn Damari, your home for wellness and vibrant living. For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.